We're going to be just preaching one more week. We've been preaching in the series, uh, Winning the Battle in Your Mind, and I thought I'm just going to extend the series one week. I'm preaching a message I'm calling Winning the Battle You Are In. Anybody feel like you're in a battle? And uh, I, I know I feel like I'm in a battle oftentimes. And uh, I thought this was a, just a word that God was burning in my heart a little bit. I wanted to read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. So if you, if you want to turn to that, I'm going to read the whole chapter. And uh, maybe even want to stand up just to honor God, honor his word, honor his voice. That he would speak to us and bring life to us, bring strength to us. Starting 2 Timothy Chapter 4, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of this, of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not Uh, put up with sound doctrine. Instead, suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry." For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing." Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, uh, because he has loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to uh, Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in the ministry. I sent Titicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Tros. And my scrolls, according, uh, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my right side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And verse 19, greet Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Anisrophus, Anisrophus, <laughs> that's a mouthful. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick 
in Miletus. Do your best to get there here before winter. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. You may be seated. God bless you. Right on. So we're speaking today about winning the battle we're in. And you know, in our uh, culture today, in our North American culture, I think sometimes we think of our, uh, what's happening in Canada, what's happening in the United States and North America as what's happening in the world. And sometimes our perspectives are a little bit limited. Uh, and so I'm just talking about what's happening. We see in, in Canada, what's happening in BC. There's a lot of battles, a lot of cultural type battles that we see being fought. There's political mindsets and ideological mindsets and uh, uh, opinion-driven mindsets. There's lots of, lots of division, lots of, lots of opinions, lots of posturing, lots of uh, I'm on that side and you're on that side, and language is used to, to promote uh, separation and criticism and uh, uh, posturing. The court of public opinion uh, decides what you can wear these days, uh, if you can wear skinny pants or not or, or whatever. Uh, what you can say, uh, what you can watch, uh, this is decided. I, I heard Justin Bieber's being told where he can sing uh, in the news this morning. Uh, who's canceled and who is popular? Our culture wants to tell you that. All of this can change at any given time. <laughs> it can be one way one day and a different way the next day. The temptation in all of this posturing and all of this, all of these mindsets and all of these, all of these uh, divisions, is that we uh, would want to think as the church that somehow we need to fit into the world's mindsets, political mindsets, ideological mindsets, opinion-driven mindsets. That they, those mindsets, would then force themselves on the church and ask the church to receive and live in that mindset. One of the biggest problems with this is that our Christian walk and the, and the walk of the church family is not based on what we prefer, but it's based on our conviction. And I just want to read you a little, a little bit out of Acts chapter 4 today. If you want to turn to that Acts chapter 4. Now this is where uh, Peter and John were uh, being accused of, of healing. They were, they were stirring up the city, and, and the, it, it, it irritated people, and a mob got going, and uh, they, they wanted something done about these two guys. And in verse, uh, uh, verse 16, it says, What are we going to do with these men? Speaking of Peter and John. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. 
But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in his name. So there we go. There's a cancel culture right there. Telling what you can do, what you can say. You can't say Jesus' name. You can't speak in his name. You can't do miracles in his name because you're, you're stirring people up. And this is, causing, this is causing a riot or whatever. Then he goes on uh, to say, they go on to say in the scripture here, uh, in verse 18, Then they called them in again, speaking of Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. <laughs> speaking of their own personal experience with Jesus, that they said, you know what? Uh, we can't stop it. This is not a preference that we're living by. This is a conviction. So we're talking a little bit today to you about preference rather than conviction or, or personal pref uh, preference uh, versus personal conviction. So I just want to give you a couple definitions. One, uh, for preference, preference is what I like most at any given time or circumstance or mood. So you could just imagine uh, what you like being being uh, swayed maybe by the people around you. Uh, you might, you might uh, go into a restaurant and smell uh, the pizza and then all of a sudden say, say, oh, I love pizza. I want to have pizza. Uh, and that happened with me and my grandson. We were driving by Boston Pizza the other day and he said, Papa, there's Boston Pizza. I feel like having pizza. <laughs> and so our preferences can change just by seeing a sign or whatever. Uh, a preference can offer you joy in the moment, but often it leads to regret or disappointment in the future. A preference can offer you joy in the moment, but often it leads you to regret or disappointment in the future. However, a conviction, there's another definition, is a deeply held position that one is firmly grounded in. A deeply held conviction that one is firmly grounded in. Now, a conviction may be difficult uh, for you. A conviction might cost you. Uh, having a deeply held position, and so as, a, as believers, our positions aren't just deeply held. They're deeply held spiritual positions that, we've, that are founded in God's Word, that have been convinced in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, and they're positions that are firmly grounded in us, and so those positions might cost you in a moment. They might cost you something. You might have to pay the price in order to live your conviction. But oftentimes, a conviction will lead you to a joyful future, right? So where preference can lead you to regret and disappointment in the future, Conviction can lead you to joy in the future. John Maxwell said it like this, and it just has always stuck in my mind. He said, play now and pay later, or play, uh, pay now and play later. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting play on words, right? You can play now and you'll pay later, or you can pay now 
and you'll play later. That's, what, that's the difference between preference and conviction. See, Paul was a man of conviction. He lived what he believed. He, uh, he uh, gave his counsel in this scripture in 2 Timothy 4, which we were just reading to Timothy. And uh, Timothy was a person he was discipling. And I think there's some great wisdom in how Paul uh, was teaching Timothy how he could also live his life uh, as a life of conviction. So I want to just take a few minutes today looking at a few of these scriptures that we read. And uh, just starting at verse 2, Paul says these words, I give you this charge. (laughs) I give you this charge. This is important. I'm giving you this to do. I am giving you this, uh, this word as a direct way that you are to live your life. He says, I'm passing on my convictions to you. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction. So he's talking about uh, convictions versus preferences here. So what are convictions? Well, I can take uh, a few things from this, this verse. One, convictions are determined ahead of time. They're not something that you're going to come up with on the spot. <laughs> when it comes to the, the battle that we face from day to day, we need to settle what our convictions are going to be. And Paul said, you know what? I've got some convictions, and I'm going to share them with you. You should live by your convictions, Timothy. They're determined ahead of time. Not when you get into the heat of the battle. They're, de- they're determined before. Convictions guide us in the times of challenge. Convictions are a guide for you. They settle the battle. <laughs> a lot of the battle is in your own heart, in your own mind. You're, you're wondering, should I do this or should I do that? Well, a conviction will then guide you. You don't have to go through the whole process again of deciding, what am I going to do to win this battle? You know by your conviction what you need to do. Number three, convictions are carefully learned and are not easily forgotten. Convictions are carefully learned, and they're not easily forgotten. They're part of who we are. They're part of our lives. Uh, It's part of why we gather together. It's part of why we sing in worship. Uh, We're reminding ourselves of our convictions. Man, I was convicted even in my own heart as we were singing. This is how we fight our battles. (laughs) This is how we do it. Uh, uh, great defender, there's a song we are singing. Uh, this is how I'm defended. Uh, and it's in praise. It's in it's putting God first in my life. It's not looking to myself. It's not looking to my emotions and so on. It's to look to God. They're carefully learned and they're not easily forgotten. Convictions are patiently applied to life, Paul said. And convictions are meant to lead me through The seasons of life. They don't change from one day to the next, from one season to another. There are things we can count on. It doesn't matter what the world is saying, what the message of the world is saying. We know our convictions can lead us through all of the seasons of our lives. Now, convictions come uh, from a few places Uh, in the Bible. We can see, and we don't have time to look at these all today, but convictions come from our parents. The Bible tells parents to train their children in the way they should go. What is that talking about? 
It's talking about setting conviction in the heart of your kids. It's talking about teaching your kids the way they should live their lives. Conviction is carefully learned. It's carefully crafted, parents. We have the responsibility, parents, from God to carefully teach our children and our grandchildren the convictions of the Word of God. And parents, there's no excuse for us. You know, we can, we can be discouraged. We can be, we can be, uh, uh, be tempted. We can feel like, oh, the battle is hard. We feel like giving up. But I want to encourage you, parents. God has given you your child. Grandparents, God has given you your grandchildren to lead them and to carefully teach them the conviction of the Word of God. This is powerful in our lives. I remember my mom kneeling beside my bed as a young teenager and teaching me to pray. When my heart was hard, her showing me the tenderheartedness that would get me into his presence. Oh, those are lessons that don't leave you. Parents, we have this privilege. We have this honor. We have this opportunity with our kids. Let's not give up when it's hard. Let's not let our guard down when we hear the world coming to our kids and saying to them other messages. Let's take up the duty that God has given us to teach our children. Another place that we're convicted, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to convict us and to convince us of God's ways and God's will and God's word. Another place that we see uh, in the scripture that we are convicted is in the courts of law. <laughs> that we're convicted there. We can be con convicted for crimes and so on. Uh, let's move into the next verse here. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And so I want to just talk here a little bit. Paul's talking not so much about conviction in this verse. He's talking about preference. So what is preference? Well, preference is change with the times. And we've already talked about that. Preferences can be one way one day, one way another day. They can be this with this group of friends. It can be that with that group of friends. It can be this way when you're at home. It can be this way when you're away from home. Preferences can change. Preferences are swayed by opinion. Preferences want only to hear what they agree with at the time. You ever have a friend <laughs> like that that got a preference and they want you to agree with, with them in their, in their opinion? Uh, you know, I heard of a couple friends on a, on a ski lift and they started talking about, about uh, vaccinations and they were having a heated discussion going up the ski lift. Well, it was an uphill battle. That was a joke, just in case you're wondering. Preferences. You only want to hear what you agree with. And preferences, they're valued only when they please me. That's... That's some of what Paul was talking about. 
preferences come from our feelings. They come from what's popular. They come from, from what's happening in the culture. So Paul gave some advice to Timothy in these next verse, in this next verse, uh, when he faced challenges for living by his convictions. When he decided, you know, I'm not going to live by pre- preference. I'm going to live by conviction. Uh, I'm going to live by what's going to honor God. I'm going to live what's going to bring joy to my life in the end. And he says this in verse 5. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all your duties of your ministry. So I just want to look at, uh, there's three things in there that I want to look at really quickly. One, keep your head, he said. He said, keep your head. And we can think of that as, you know, just be level-headed, don't, don't blow your top or whatever. But I, I want to just encourage you that a person of conviction lives by their convictions, right? They don't need to listen to someone else's opinion. They don't need to be swayed by someone else's argument. They're living by their own conviction. They're keeping their own head. They're staying responsible for their own their own lives and how they're going to live their lives before God. Don't trade your head with someone else's head. Don't give them the right to govern your life. God governs our life. His word governs our life. His Holy Spirit leads our lives. We live by our conviction. Our head is Jesus. And we need, like never before, the Holy Spirit to lead us. We need to be empowered by him. When we read this scripture last week, I just want to remind you again, Romans 8 verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh leads to death. But the mind governed by the Spirit leads to life and peace, right? That's what happens when we have the Holy Spirit leading us. And we're living, even in difficult times, we're living our lives by conviction. The second thing Paul says, uh, his advice to Timothy was endure hardship. Endure hardship. You know what? Seems like good advice (laughs) to endure hardship, doesn't it? Endure hardship. Just hang in there. You can do it. I believe in you. Whatever. That, that's, that's good advice. That's, that's nice to have that encourage. But when you're in the battle, how do you do that? <laughs> how do you endure? How do you stick with it? How do you keep walking with strength? How do you, how do you continue uh, in the things that God has asked you to do in that life of conviction? And Paul goes on to speak to Timothy in verses 6 through 8, and he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. So he's beginning to speak of himself. And I find it very interesting. If you read 1 Timothy, Paul uses some of these uh, words that he uses on himself. He uses those on Timothy in 1 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he starts to say, "Uh, You know how I told you to live? That's how I live. (laughs) You can see it in me. And the pressure is on me like never before. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live by my conviction. This is how you do it. For I'm poured out like a drink offering. And time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed 
for his appearance. So how do we endure hardship? Paul said, number one, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Let's stick together. Let's walk together. That's how we're going to live our convictions. That's how we're going to be able to keep our head. That's how we're going to be able to endure hardship. It's because we're walking together. We're going to encounter not just strength and encouragement in one another, but the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, who is there? Jesus is there. (laughs) That's how we're able to do it. That's how we're able to do it. Not just because we can, you know, say, oh, yeah, you, you can do it. You know, come on, come on, you can do it. No, we, when we're together, the presence of God comes. The presence of Jesus comes into our midst, and he strengthens us to endure. That's one of the ways that Paul said. Number two, follow the example of faith. Follow the example of faith. And he's saying, follow my example, Timothy. I'm showing you this is how I did it. And this is how you can do it. What I said to you before about living a life of faith, of fighting the good fight. He said, those are things that I am doing. And come with me and let's let's do it. So then number three, keep the crown on your mind, he says. There's a crown of righteousness. (laughs) And we can think of that in two ways. One, we can be think of it as being led by the Holy Spirit. Having the Holy Spirit leading us in our mind, leading us to life and peace. But we can also think of it as, hey, we've got future joy coming. We've got future joy coming. Then lastly, long for Jesus. Long for Jesus. Let's cultivate a hunger for Jesus, Paul said. Let's do what we have to do. To cultivate a hunger for Jesus. I want to tell you, I am so encouraged by our young guys uh, and girls, uh, but especially in our Connect Group series, we've been doing uh, a series called The Heart of Discipleship. And Quentin and Jared have been teaching on uh, spiritual practices. How to culture a hunger for Jesus. And I'll tell you, man, I am encouraged. It's, It's encouraging me. To be in those. And it's also encouraging to see our young guys longing for Jesus. Longing for his presence. Cultivating a hunger. That's how we endure hardship, Paul said. That's, that, these are, I mean, if we just learned those four things today, man, we could all go away from here very happy. But I still got a couple more words to say. Number three in Paul's advice to Timothy. So we said, number one, keep your head. Number two, endure hardship. Number three, do the work. (laughs) Paul said, do the work. You know, living your convictions, sometimes, Paul said, is hard. It's just about doing what you have to do. It's about getting the job done. Taking time for intimacy is good. I'm not saying let's not have intimate relationship with Jesus. I just told you, let's cultivate a hunger and desire for intimacy with Jesus. But taking time off from work, taking time off from conviction doesn't lead us to conviction or to intimacy. It actually leads us away from what's on God's heart. 
So these things have to be tied together. Our conviction, living our convictions, actually lead us to a deeper intimacy. And sometimes it means we're working harder. We're working harder. So right now, as Kenton was alluding earlier, this is difficult times in the church. I don't think I've ever experienced a more difficult time in ministry than I have right now. But what are we going to do? <laughs> I hear Paul's words to me. Do the work. <laughs> do the work, Greg. You, you got this. You can do it. Live by your convictions. Live by what you know is true. Don't take time off because it's not going to lead to greater intimacy. Continue in your desire to cultivate hunger for Jesus, yes, but also do the work that's in front of you. Live your convictions. So I want to just end today with four, uh, four things that Paul gave for a battle plan of how we can win the battle we're in. So here, here they are. Number one, trust God to fight for you. Trust God to fight for you. And verse 16 says, no one came to my support. That's what Paul said. <laughs> here I am. Uh, sometimes when he's in jail, Paul's in, under house arrest. This jail, he was in a dungeon. He was chained up. The only guy that was there, we read all the names, was Luke, who happened to be a doctor. Like neat. You got a friend that's a doctor and he's stuck with you. And so here's Paul. No one came to my support. And I'm going to encourage you. How do we win the battle we're in? We trust God to fight for us. When we got a conviction, then let's live by it and let's believe that God will fight for us. Paul's fight wasn't about pleasing himself. It was about pleasing God. <laughs> All the fights you're in, they're not about your own personal pleasure, your own personal victory. The fights we're in, as Paul was in, was a fight to please God. His fight wasn't intended to destroy the people around him, but it was to do what pleased God. Temptation in attack can be that we lash out at the people that we think are causing the challenge. We want to defend ourselves. We want to argue that we deserve an easy life. Well, Paul, he trusted God for the fight he was in. You know, when Paul was hurt by people, he did two things. He gave them to God to deal with, and he warned people to be on their guard around those people. That's what he did. People hurting you. <laughs> Give them to God to deal with and warn the people that you love about those people. Number two, second, second point of Paul's uh, battle plan to win the battle we're in. We declare we're not alone. Verse 17 says, but the Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength. The Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength. That was Paul's testimony. We declare that we're not alone. Do you ever say, I feel so alone? <laughs> How about declaring, God has not left my side. God will not leave my side. The Holy Spirit is with me to empower me. He's filling my life. Jesus loves me and he's, he's faithful to complete the work in my life. That's the truth of the word of God. That's my conviction. And that's what we can declare. 
Just because people abandon you, it doesn't mean you're alone. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You're sealed in his promise. Nothing can take you out of God's hand. Number three, risking to love is what we do. <laughs> risking to love is what you do when you're in the battle. How do we win the battle we're in? We risk to love. We take risks. You know, sometimes we're in the battle. We want to retreat and hide and protect and so on. But Paul said, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. You know how he was delivered by, from the lion's mouth? <laughs> he was next to the lion. That's how he was delivered. He didn't, didn't run away from danger because of his convictions. He ran towards, he risked his life for love. And I've talked about that in, in previous weeks, that we risk for love. That's the risk that we take in our lives. We, we don't hold back when it comes to love. We love extravagantly. And sometimes when we do that, it is going to cost us something. But when we do that, we can see the deliverance of God. You know, God can't deliver you from your safe place. <laughs> God needs to, to deliver you from the risks that you're taking for him. Okay, I'm not talking about being stupid. About you doing crazy things that aren't God's will for your life. But I'm telling you to, that you should risk everything to love. That's what Jesus did. He didn't avoid danger to live out his convictions. You know, opportunities are lost when we let fear overrule our faith. Opportunities are always lost when we let fear overrule our faith. If the price is too high, if you're saying that costs too much, I don't know how I could do that. I'm going to ask you, is it a preference? Or if you're saying, there is nothing too great, there's nothing that I would not give for you, Jesus, I would say that's likely your conviction. And the last thing Paul says in how we can win the battles we're in, we rely solely on the Lord. That's how we win the battles we're in. We rely on him. Verse 18 says, the Lord, Paul said, the Lord will rescue me. He was saying, the Lord's will is going to be done in my life. You know that word uh, rescue is the Greek word in the Bible that we translate as saved. Sozo. Sozo. It's a Greek word that's uh, translated as saved. It literally means to be saved uh, uh, not only from judgment and wrath of God. This salvation also includes the ability to resist temptation to sin in a pursuit of Christ's likeness, to be set free from demonic attack and oppression, and to receive healing in our physical bodies. <laughs> Do you need to be saved? Do you need to be rescued? And Paul said, the Lord will rescue me. That was his faith. He's relying solely on the Lord to bring deliverance into his life. And I'm going to end today with this scripture from Psalm 103 that says, bless the Lord O oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and 
mercy. That is the sozo of our God. That's the salvation of our God. Let's pray this morning as we end this service today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling us as your people not to be swayed by preference and opinion, but to live by our conviction. Thank you that we are empowered as we live our lives by the conviction of God, by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit. We say thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for the steadfastness that comes into our life. Thank you for the peace that comes into our lives as we sort out our convictions and begin to live by conviction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the battles that are yet to be won. Thank you, Lord, as we put our trust in you, as we rely on you for your salvation, God. Maybe you're here this morning gathered in this room or you're online and you're saying, man, I need the salvation of God. I need God to rescue me. I need his deliverance in my life. I just want, I'm just encouraging you. This is an opportunity. Let's not leave it for later. Let's just reach out to him. Let's just begin to call out on him. Let's just begin to, to say to him, uh, Lord, will you rescue me? Lord, will you do what I can't do? Lord, will you come into my life and deliver me? Lord, will you do the work in my life that I am powerless against in the name of Jesus? Lord, we just say, if there's people watching that need a healing touch, Lord, we just speak healing and blessing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let healing and health be the portion of your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, because you are the God who saves us in our physical distress, God. We just think right now of uh, Karen Hunt and Karen Patrician, and, and uh, uh, maybe you think of others. Just say their names right now that need a touch, a healing touch of God on their bodies. Lord, we pray healing, a divine touch of your hand, Jesus, on their bodies. In Jesus' name, on, in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we pray for those that have been in spiritual uh, battle. Lord, where the enemies come, maybe it's in temptation, maybe it's in turmoil, maybe it's in, in relationships that have been stirred up and broken. Lord, we just speak wholeness to these, these situations in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let your salvation come in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray where there's been hurt and disappointment, oh God, we pray hearts would be healed in Jesus' name. Where there's been words spoken uh, that have been used like knives, Lord, we pray, God, you bring forgiveness. Would you bring healing and restoration, oh God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For parents, Lord, I pray for parents that are watching today that want to raise their kids in the ways of the Lord. Anoint these parents, oh God. Anoint them with strength. Anoint them with joy. Anoint them with blessing. Give them wisdom, we pray. Lord, as they get into the word, Lord, I pray you'd be speaking to them specifically about each of their children on how to raise them to love you deeply, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. And if you're here today, we'd love to give you the opportunity to reach out to Jesus. Maybe you've never, never uh, opened your heart to him before. We just want to encourage you to open your heart to him. 
just say a prayer to him. Just ask him to come to you, come into your life. And you could just say some words, something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, would you please, would you please, God, come into my life? Would you deliver me, God, from the, the, from the turmoil and the difficulty that I'm in today, from the guilt I'm carrying today, from the regret I'm carrying today, from the pain that I have in my life? Lord, I'm asking, would you be merciful to me, God? Would you apply your blood to my life and forgive me, Jesus? Jesus, I need you today. I'm asking you to come into my life and forgive me, Lord, and renew my life. Make me new, Jesus. Make me new, Jesus. Give me the strength I need to follow you and walk with you today. In Jesus' name.